Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Inspire Beyond Borders. This week, we stay domestic and visit the stunning Acadia National Park and Bar Harbor in Maine with our guest, Michelle. Start planning today and take that trip you've always wanted to. Every adventure gives you the opportunity to experience something new. Traveling will pay tenfold what you pay to actually do it. This is Inspire Beyond Borders, and we're here to help you see the world. Fire Beyond Borders podcast. It is your co-host, James Wiley. We are here with Michelle. Michelle, how are you? I'm great, James. How are you? I'm fantastic. We're so lucky to have you on here finally after all the trips you've taken. You're a pretty well-traveled person because of some things with uh, school. You do the EF tours, right, with school? Yeah, I've done a couple of them. They're some of the most exciting moments of my life, for sure. So, yeah, so... Michelle has been around the world a few times. She's been to a couple places, not quite as much as our as Larry, who's usually on the show, but pretty well traveled. So we are actually gonna, for the first time, stay domestic, and we're gonna talk national park. We're gonna talk Acadia. So this was a trip you took this summer, 2020, right? Yep, yep. We decided to obviously stay kind of close to home because of COVID. Yeah. So the first thing we usually talk about with our guests is the planning of the trip, because that's a real big, important part of the trip that nobody really takes into account. They think, okay, we're going to go here and it's going to be awesome. But in order to make a good trip, you should have some planning done usually. And Aaron is a very to the minute planner. Are you the same way or are you just free flowing, whatever happens, happens. So I'm a little bit somewhere in between. You know, I am a planner. I'm a little bit type A. But when it comes to vacations, I do like to leave some room for, you know, whatever I want to do. Maybe something sparks my interest that I want to spend a little bit more time at. So that's something that Aaron, I think I drive him a little bit crazy. But um, I do like to leave a little bit more room. So I'm somewhere in the middle. I plan where we're staying and have like a general plan of what to do for that day, but not minute to minute for sure. That's definitely payback for the day-to-day life that you guys have where he's just free-flowing and you're like, we got to get to this place. So Yeah, I don't know when he became a planner of vacations because life in general is there's no plan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for sure. So he deserves, he deserves it on his vacation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're from Dutchess County in New York. How long did roughly take you to get to Acadia National Park, which is in Maine, for those of you who don't know? So it was supposed to take a little over seven hours, but we split up the trip. So fortunately, we have a friend who lives near Old Orchard Beach, um, Maine. So it took us about three and a half, almost four hours to get to him, and then three hours the next day to drive to Acadia. And that's Larry. He's been on our podcast a few times, so our listeners are familiar with Larry. Oh, that's right. He's a, he's a frequent flyer, so he'll be back soon, probably, I would imagine. So you guys, yeah, you stayed with Larry, and did you stay with Larry that night? Yeah, so we stayed with Larry the first night. So we left on Friday after Aaron got home from work. 
um, and headed up. I drove the whole way because, uh, ironically enough, he was cutting a podcast um, to to publish that next Tuesday. So I drove the whole way up. Uh, I drove him crazy. I sang him Disney songs the entire way and a little bit of Hamilton. And then we stayed with Larry that night and got up around like 8.30 the next morning to drive up to Acadia. Awesome. And so in your planning, where did you guys plan to stay while you were in Acadia? So I did a little bit of research. I like to find weird places to stay. That's like my big thing. So on Airbnb and actually the vacation rental VRBO, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm going to butcher it. But I looked at a couple of different places there and I found Acadia yurts, which had like six or seven yurts, which I thought was really funny, like the Mongol homes on their property. And so it's like a campsite. And then they had two tiny homes on their property. So we rented the beehive tiny home, which I loved because one of the hikes I wanted to do in Acadia was the beehive hike. So I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. So what makes it a beehive? Like, was it just themed? There was actually no bees. I was a little disappointed. There was nothing beehive about it. Oh, that's I know. disappointing. Was there even any honey in the fridge or cabinets? No, nothing. Actually, kind of interesting. They marketed it and said that they had tea and coffee and spices that you could cook with because they had a tiny kitchen, but they had to remove everything because of COVID. So it was pretty empty when we got there. All right. That's a good segue into my follow-up question. Were there any concerns with traveling during COVID? I have been terrible. I I guess I'm a little concerned, but Aaron was super concerned about it being properly cleaned. He had us bring Lysol wipes and spray. But when we got there, the whole place was like immaculately spotless. It was beautiful. So I once we got there, there was absolutely no concerns. But beforehand, we definitely prepared some cleaning supplies to be able to just make sure that we were safe. Excellent. So your trip was entirely in Acadia at this place or you stayed some in, did you stay in Orchard Beach? So, so we, um, divided the trip up a little bit. We stayed in Acadia for three nights. Then we went down to Portland, Maine and stayed there for our anniversary. And then we went down to old Orchard Beach and met some family members, um, and stayed there for a couple of nights too. So it was kind of cool. We got the whole, every aspect of Maine you could possibly get. I think we got in one week, in that trip. Awesome. And were there, was it the uh, immaculateness of the room the same with your experience all across in all these places, or was it just the yurt that was pretty clean? (laughs) No, definitely. Everywhere we stayed was like perfect. And it was actually really interesting in most of the city. So in Bar Harbor, near Acadia, in Portland, and in Old Orchard, Everybody was wearing masks. They had free masks in like giant mailboxes out on the streets. They definitely promoted the whole social distancing and mask wearing. So I felt really safe everywhere we we went. Day one, you said you had woken up at Larry's house and left at around 8.30. It took you about three hours to get to Acadia from there, you said? Yeah, a little over three hours, yep. So you get there around 11 a.m. And what do you do first? So when we got to Acadia, we thought that we were going to be heading to the Beehive Trail, which was this, it's like one of the most popular trails in the park. But we ended up taking the wrong road, and I'm not really sure how we did it. So we got turned around, and we ended up at the Jordan Pond House, which is super famous. 
It's kind of like a meeting place in Acadia National Park. So we decided that because we were right there and the carriage roads connected right to the Jordan Pond House, that we would take a bike ride instead of doing the hike that day. Okay. Did you have to pay for these bikes or was this something you brought with you? So I had a bike and Aaron borrowed a bike from his brother that we brought up with us. Oh, awesome. And how'd you attach those to the car? Did you have a bike rack on the back or? Yeah, we had a bike rack that I borrowed from my mom. Apparently we just borrow a lot of things. So I borrowed the bike rack from my mom and we drove the bikes up with us and it was pretty great. Awesome. So is this Jordan Pond House, is it very big or is it kind of small? No, it's big, um, and it's cool. It, it has a like little restaurant inside that was – the food itself was open, so you could order food from the place, but the restaurant was closed. So you could go in, and as you walked through the back doors, there were probably like – I think there were two or three dining rooms in the actual Jordan Pond house. And as you walk through the back doors, it took you out to a beautiful lawn. And we'll get to this later on, but that's where we ate one day, just out on this lawn overlooking the lakes. So it was it was really beautiful. Okay. So Aaron mentioned that there's a Frenchman Bay Overlook and that you guys went to go see that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? The Frenchman Bay Overlook we just drove to. So it's a stopping point on the road in Acadia that overlooks the Frenchman Bay, obviously. And the highlight of overlooking the Frenchman Bay Overlook is um, you can see what they call the Porcupine Islands. So it's like these little islands that are all lined up in the bay that have these like crazy overgrown trees. So it looks like little porcupine backs. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with hiking, you're a big hiker. What are carriage roads exactly where you guys took the bikes? What does that mean? So these carriage roads were actually put in by Rockefeller, which I think is kind of cool because he didn't want a lot of cars in the park. So he didn't want people just driving around kind of you know, willy nilly. So he had established these carriage roads and these beautiful bridges throughout the park, which are really awesome to see just the architecture of it are so beautiful. But carriage roads are, I guess you could describe them as like little rock roads that extend throughout the park. And I'm going to get this wrong, but I think there are 42 miles of carriage roads throughout the park. Yeah, that you can walk, hike, bike, you know, pretty much do anything except ride a car through those roads. And they're awesome. They take you up through the mountains. They take you past like little beaches. They were absolutely beautiful. So there's 42 miles. How many of those did you, would you say that you did that day? So that day we thought we were going to do about five. And then I read the maps wrong and we ended up doing about 11 miles on the carriage roads because we took a wrong turn. Wow. Yeah. All right. How were you guys like up and puffing? Was it? Is there a lot of up and up and down, or is it mostly flat? There's a lot of up and down, and particularly the part where we took the wrong turn at happened to be the steepest part of the ride that we had taken. So I'm not gonna lie, I threw a little bit of a hissy fit, and I got off my bike and I walked it up the hill because I was so tired after the first nine miles that we had ridden. Um, but it was definitely beautiful, and it was it was really cool. On the way down, that's awesome, because you just kind of glide all the way down the hill uh, and end at the bottom, which was beautiful. Awesome. Did Aaron have to get out and push his up? No, he was actually pretty good the whole time. All right, good for him. But his, but, his butt hurt afterwards. He complained about it. And, and later on, he ended up stuffing his butt with a sweatshirt so that it didn't hurt. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. I have pictures too, so if the listeners want to see the pictures, oh, that's, that's I'm more than happy. Going on the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look forward to that, guys. <laughs> uh, you said that you got a map. Was it a? Were you talking like Google Maps? Did you print out maps? Did you get maps from somewhere at the park? So I actually had a friend go earlier and they gave me a map of the carriage roads. So it's a whole map that just shows exactly where the carriage roads take you. And then it has the bridges located along the maps. So we carried that in our backpacks and tracked it incorrectly sometimes, but... Do you know by any chance where they got it? Is it does it look like it's something they printed out? They got it at the park. No, it's like a okay. it's like an actual park map. Okay, cool. So it sounds like you can acquire that map there. Yep. How long did this eleven miles take you roughly? Um, I would say about two hours. I think we got back and ended up having a really late lunch. So yeah, probably about two hours. Along this course of two hours, did you take many breaks and stop and see some scenery, or was it pretty much just riding along for two hours? We stopped a couple of times, but not for very long. We did stop at one part where we were going up the hill from Jordan Pond, and we stopped at this beautiful rock wall that overlooked Jordan Pond. So we stayed there for a little bit. There were a couple of families there taking in the view, and then we just kind of continued on the way. Aaron wasn't big into stopping, so I think that we... We tried to get to the end as quickly as possible because we didn't really know where we were going. In this segment, Michelle tells us about what the lovely little town of Bar Harbor has to offer. We also get some insight as to what it's like staying in a tiny home. Okay, you're riding around, it's been two hours, so that puts it at around between one and two o'clock probably. At this point, I can only imagine Aaron is very regiment, regimented with his meals. <laughs> He's got to be hungry at this point. He was and I was. So I'm not going to lie. I was pretty hangry. Uh, so we decided that we would leave Acadia and we would head into Bar Harbor, which is the cutest little beach town you could imagine. It was about a 20 minute drive from Acadia into Bar Harbor from where we were. And we found a place called Blaze, which is a brewery. It's kind of a new brewery in Maine that we ended up having lunch at. Was it very busy, the town, or was it kind of dead? So at this point in the day, it was pretty busy. We ended up parking. I, I wish like I could show a picture of it, but um, there's one main street. So we ended up parking at the way end of the main street and walking, I would say probably like half a mile to get to Blaze, maybe even a little less. But it was super busy. There's, there were tons of people there walking around. But again, everything was super safe because of COVID. Okay, so let's hear about Blaze. Were they just doing meals to go, or could you stay? Nope, you could stay, and we were fortunate. For lunch, it was definitely less busy at dinner time, and we can talk about this. It gets crazy, so I highly recommend uh, reservations. But we ended up getting right in and having lunch. I ordered a ahi tuna bowl, which was absolutely delicious. I can't remember what Aaron ordered, but I know he liked it too. But I do... Potatoes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but I do remember the beer I ordered is literally my favorite beer I've ever drank in my whole life. So it was a brown ale. It was a brown ale made by Blaze. And it was absolutely delicious. I can't find it in New York yet, but they did say they're going to start selling it soon. So I'm going to be oh, on the lookout. Awesome. Have you been like following along to see when it is coming out or something? Or Yeah, yeah, I have been. Awesome. <laughs> cool. So you guys had some good weather, right? So yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. Yep. They have like 
So when you go in, they have a covered, I guess it's like a little porch that they have all seats at and, a bar, and an outside bar. And then they had inside seating, but we sat outside, fortunately. Okay. So what'd you do after lunch? Then we just kind of walked around Bar Harbor to take in the view to see what they had. I know I wanted to go to the bookstore there, so I was really excited about that. It's the oldest bookstore in Maine, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. So um, we walked around. Bar Harbor is great. There's a ton of options for dining. You can go shopping. They have, you know, obviously little um, souvenir shops all over the place, some ice cream shops. They have a beautiful park right at the end of Bar Harbor that overlooks the harbor. So you can watch the sailboats come in and stuff. It was really cool. Oh, sounds like a nice, relaxing little town. Yeah. You guys mentioned in your itinerary the Ivy, Ivy Manor Inn. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Why that was important? So the Ivy Manor Inn is really cool. We walked by it and I kept begging Aaron to sit outside of it because they have an outdoor fireplace. From about 2 to 6, I believe, they had a happy hour. So they had an outside bar with beautiful Adirondack chairs set up that you could just sit outside and... My favorite thing to do is people watch, so you could have watched a bunch of people walk by. But we did. We unfortunately ended up not being able to go there. But I would recommend it to anybody going to visit because it just looked like a really cool spot to sit uh, and hang out for a little while. Were Adirondack chairs popular throughout this area? They were, yeah. Oh, I love Adirondack chairs. Me Good too. Adirondack chairs, hard to beat. I agree. So another place that you guys mentioned was Village Green. What was that one? The Village Green was Aaron's favorite spot to visit in Bar Harbor. It's located right in the center of Bar Harbor. It's like a little outdoor park. The one night we walked by and there was a memorial they were having there, which sounds kind of creepy, but it was actually really beautiful. They had live music playing and luminarias set up all along the walkway. And we ended up actually having ice cream there one night. So Aaron loved it because he could just sit and hang out and people watch. What about Agamount Park? That park is at the end of the street in Bar Harbor, um, and that was really cool. Every day we went, there were tons of people hanging out outside. They were sitting on the park benches there. There was actually a gazebo in the center of it that a couple of people were sitting in at one point. But you can just sit and watch the boat sailing in and out of the harbor, and it also overlooks the town pier, which was really cool. The Real Pizza Cinema, R-E-E-L, Pizza Cinema, so... What's this? So after dinner one night, we decided to walk around Bar Harbor. And it was on a side street right past the Village Green, actually. And outside, they had an outdoor movie theater, which was really cool. So it's a pizza place. And they set up this outdoor theater, I think because of COVID times. They have a movie theater inside the actual pizza place. But they were showing Jaws the night we walked by. So we stood there and watched a couple minutes of Jaws and sent some Snapchats to my brother because it's his favorite movie. You spent the rest of your day in Bar, in Bar Harbor enjoying the nice little village that they have there. Now, did you check into the tiny home when you first got to Acadia or is it something you did later in the day? No, we checked in later in the day after lunch. Check-in was at 3, so we didn't obviously have time to check-in before we went to Acadia. So we checked in around uh, 5, 6 o'clock that evening. Okay. And was this something where you had to actually meet up with a person? Did they have a lockbox or something with key? Nope, they left their key outside for us. So they had a lockbox right on the house. 
they sent me a code for the lockbox through the app that I had booked the house through. And we were able to access it without having to see any people. Now, did you use Airbnb or did you use some other app for this? For the tiny home, I used Verbo, so the vacation oh, right. rentals. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So Verbo. And so how was the tiny home? Was it everything it's made up to be on the, all those tiny home TV shows they have? It was definitely adorable. So when you walked up to the tiny home, they had a little deck out back with a table and chair set up. And then you walked into it and it like a little trailer. I mean, it's a tiny home, right? So you walked in and they had a little seating area with a beanbag chair and a bench. Their kitchen was really cute. They had it set up with a nice counter that you could sit at. And then they had a small stove, a small oven and a tiny refrigerator. So that was great. And then in the back of the house was the bathroom, which was a full bathroom. So they had a nice shower. Aaron hated the shower. I loved it. I thought the shower water pressure was great and it was nice and hot. I like a hot shower. And then going up to the loft, they have a ladder that goes up to where your bed was. So there was a little loft up top that had a queen size mattress that was actually super comfortable. Two questions. One about the shower. What did Aaron not like about the shower? Was it the temperature and the pressure or? He thought it was too small. He felt like he was too restricted in the shower. Okay. Is it a standing shower area? Yes. Yep. Okay. And it was pretty tiny, but we're tiny people, so it worked. <laughs> so, okay, knowing me, would I have enjoyed my stay in this tiny home? You probably would not have, no. Okay. I hit my head multiple times coming off of the bed down to the bottom that's, floor. That was my other question. Was it like one of those beds in the loft where like you pretty much have like two or three feet of space between the bed and the ceiling? Yeah, which... Thing? Yeah. And at first I thought I was going to be a little claustrophobic looking at the pictures online. But again, I like weird places to stay. I felt very comfortable, but I can imagine somebody at your height would not have enjoyed. You wouldn't have even been able to sit up in bed. Okay. Were there any other negatives in your eyes to the this tiny house experience? My only negative, and it is my only one because I loved the experience. The ladder going up to the bed was really painful. So in the middle of the night, when I had to climb down to go to the bathroom in bare feet, it, it was not great. But that was my only negative, was the ladder was super weird. Okay. What, 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 like, what made it painful? Was it like, did it have grips on it that just didn't, that felt like uncomfortable or? No, it had no grips. I think that the rungs are really tiny. So like when you step down on it, the middle of your foot hits right on the center of the rung. And okay. I don't know, for some reason, I just felt I like... I totally was... get what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> sure other people will, too. Yeah, super uh, uncomfortable. So would you recommend this tiny house to other people? I would, just for the experience of it. I thought it was really cool. And the whole property in and of itself was really awesome. So I would love to go to one of the yurts. Um, they fit like six to nine people. They have a full bathroom. They have tons of space. So I would love to do that one time, even. Is that something you'd probably do with like a group of friends or did people look like they rented it with people they knew or was it keeping people that were different from different parties in these six to nine people? Nope. It's only people that you know. So it was mostly families, um, like larger families, but definitely I would recommend it for a friend group or even a, you know, a bigger family group that went up. You checked in, you explored your tiny home. Actually, how far apart were all of the tiny homes from each other? Like how close were your neighbors? 
it was just a short walk. So if you can picture like a regular campsite, each house and yurt was on a separate campsite. So I would say there were about 10 to 12 campsites on the property. All right. So not a ton of privacy, but a little bit of privacy. But enough. Yeah. I mean, they weren't right next to each other. So that was nice. Okay. Cool. So what'd you do for dinner this night? So that night we decided to go back to Bar Harbor. So we, I took a short nap, Aaron showered, we went back to Bar Harbor and we looked for dinner places. I think we got there around seven o'clock and we didn't get a, a spot until about eight thirty, nine o'clock um, because it was so busy. But we put our names in at Bar Harbor Beer Works, which was my favorite actually, because the man there kept calling Aaron A-A-Ron. And anytime we walked by as we were waiting for our reservation, he would yell to him and ask where A-A-Ron was going. So that made me laugh. <laughs> I don't think Aaron loved it so much, but it made me laugh. Yeah, that's funny. So how was the food that night? It was good. I had a lobster roll because I pretty much ate lobster every meal I had that trip. So that was my first lobster roll in Maine. And it was good. I had a nice Maine beer that night, too. I think Aaron enjoyed his meal. It was like bar food. You know, it's a brewery, so it was bar food. Did you actually get like a real like lobster at any point or just lobster-based foods like lobster rolls and lobster things? I didn't get a real lobster and I kind of kick myself, but I don't like fighting with my meal. I just want it like there so I can eat it. But I did later on in the trip, my brother and his girlfriend got a real lobster and it looked so awesome. So I'm, I'm a little upset I didn't get a full lobster. In this portion of the podcast, Michelle tells us all about the Beehive Trail, Acadia's most well-known hike with amazing views. She also tells us about Sand Beach, Thunder Hole, and the must-try popovers. All right, so day two comes around and you get to go to the target destination for you, the Beehive Trail. What made this something that you really wanted to do? Like, why was it something that stuck out as a must-do in Acadia? So I'm going to give a little background Aaron and I, a couple of years ago, went on a cross-country trip with his family and at that point decided then that one of our goals was to get to as many national parks as possible. So in order to do so, and before that trip, actually, I bought a book called Your Guide to the National Parks, which has been kind of my Bible now. Every time we go on vacation to a national park, I think it's like the best resource I could possibly have. So as I was reading through that up on Acadia the Beehive Trail was marked as one of the best spots to visit in Acadia. So I did a little research about it, and I thought that it was really a hike that I had never experienced before. They have, as you go up the mountain, um, some iron rungs that you have to climb across. They have a couple of iron bridges. I, I can't even describe them as bridges, I guess, but um, that connect the rocks that are separated on top of the mountain. And I just think it's so amazing that you climb up the trail and you're up this mountain, but then you overlook the Atlantic and you overlook these lakes and it just had the most beautiful views you could possibly imagine. So that was what I was most intrigued about going into Acadia. Awesome. The iron bridges, did you have to, like, was it like just regular bridge type of thing that you could walk across or was there like you have to climb across this bridge. So you can walk across it, but it was 
small iron poles, I guess you could describe them as, that were connecting the rocks. So it was a little freaky and it didn't help that the guy coming down the mountain as we were going up uh, warned us that they were super slippery and to be careful because you could possibly fall off of them as you were climbing up. On a scale of one to 10, how difficult was this part of it? So I, I would say it was a six, so not super crazy. But we were behind a group of women who were very afraid of it. So on our hike up the mountain, we stopped a lot. And that kind of freaked me out because then I was thinking about, oh, my gosh, I'm on an iron rung right now. Or I'm standing across this slippery, you know, pole that's in the middle of a rock. So that was freaky. But I think if we had been able to just climb up the mountain in one swoop, it wouldn't have made me nervous. Did you guys get pictures of these things? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay, because we're going to have to post that so people can see exactly what it is that you were crossing. Absolutely. And I have that picture of the iron rails, which is pretty cool. You had to get there pretty early, right? Because of the popularity of this trail. So what time did you guys get up to do this? We actually, so our goal was to get up super early that morning and go to Cadillac Mountain to see sunrise and then go to the Beehive Trail, but we were exhausted from the day before, so we didn't do that. But I think we got there around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, so not crazy early, but early enough that we got a parking spot, which was good because um, the Beehive Trail is kind of difficult to find. It's not really marked very well, surprisingly, because it's one of the most popular trails in the park. So you had to park at the Sand Beach parking um, to go up the road to get to the Beehive Trail. Um, so we got there early enough that we got a parking spot, but not super early where we were exhausted. Okay. In your reading or, or from figuring it out while you were there, why do they call this the Beehive Trail? Is there any reason or just has that's its name again? I, they actually didn't talk about that, so I'm not sure. Man, Maine just likes calling things Beehive. I know. Apparently there should be more bees there. I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> What were the views like on this trail? The views along the entire way are gorgeous, but once you get to the actual summit of the Beehive Trail, you have a 360 view pretty much of the park. So that was unbelievable. You Again, you can see the Atlantic Ocean, and that's why I think it's so cool. You can see the lakes in Acadia. You can see mountains. You can see the rest of the trail. So it's really very diverse, but unbelievable at the same time. Awesome. And so is this a up and down or is this a loop trail? So it's a loop trail. There are a couple of people who are coming back down the way we went up. And I'm not going to lie. I would not recommend that unless you're super interested in scaring yourself. I would not want to walk back down those iron rungs. It was easier going up than down. So we did the loop um, and we actually ended up going down to the bowl trail, which was very beautiful. It's like this pond kind of in the middle of nowhere and then back around to the um, Sand Beach parking lot again. All right, so there was another trail that you guys were interested in, and that was the Precipice Trail. That's one of the more famous trails at Acadia, but you didn't get to hike it. Why not? So the Precipice Trail is a lot like the Beehive Trail. It's a little bit longer than the Beehive, but it has the same iron rungs and a lot of um, difficult parts to it. But unfortunately, we were there at the time that the peregrine falcons were nesting. So they shut down the precipice trail for those falcons so that they can safely nest um, and have their babies. Awesome. That's yeah. cool. So 
did you notice any peregrine falcons flying around that you that you could tell or no i was looking for them um i was looking for them but i didn't see anything while we were there unfortunately okay so what made you choose the bull trail to go on next Honestly, I just kept wanting to hike. So we, I noticed a sign as we were going down the trail to the bull trail. And I thought, why the heck not? Let's go see what this is all about. So we ended up just taking a side trail off of the beehive trail down to the bull trail. And I want to say it was about maybe um, a half a mile. It wasn't anything too crazy, but it was really cool. It was beautiful. Awesome. So the next thing that Aaron mentioned in the itinerary that he sent me was Sand Beach. That seems like a pretty lame name for a beach. Isn't that like the definition of a beach? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And I'm not going to lie, it wasn't like super sandy. It was a little rocky. It was more rocky than it was sand, I think. Okay, that might make sense. I guess in in Maine, there's probably a lot more rock beaches. And so maybe this one had a little bit of sand. They were like, ooh, sand beach. (laughs) Yeah, there's just a dollop of sand. (laughs) So is there anything notable about this beach? Did you guys stay there for any amount of time? Or is that just where you parked your cars? So we parked our cars there and then we decided, why not walk down, right? We're here one time. Um, So we walked down and it was packed. There were tons of people hanging out at the beach, swimming in the in the water. So we just kind of walked down the beach and back and then left because it was a little overwhelming with how many people were there. I would suggest if you're going to Acadia and that's something that you're interested in, that you get there early so that you're not, you know, sitting right on top of somebody else who's visiting. Yeah, that doesn't sound ideal in the COVID circumstances that we're dealing with right now either. Especially not. And I'm not a big fan of sitting next to people on the beach anyway, so it was really not exciting for us. (laughs) Uh, So you turned around, went back to the car, and then went to Thunderhole? Yeah, so Thunderhole was really cool. It's this huge section of Acadia that when there's high tide, and especially when there's storms, the way that the rocks have formed... As the water comes in, it makes a sound just like thunder. So we sat there for a little while hoping to hear it. But unfortunately, the first time we went, we were not there for high tide. So we didn't get to hear the thunder sound. But it was still really cool when you um, walk up. And it was a picture in the book that I, I research. There's a huge rock formation that you can climb up to. And you're kind of at the highest point of Thunder Hole. So you can overlook, again, the entire ocean and it's just kind of a cool spot to go walk at so there's this this one tall rock that you get to the top of Mm-hmm. you can if you choose to do so yep right and was that was that very crowded um it was it was decently crowded but i was able to get up there and i was all by myself on top of the rock so that was kind of nice and there's enough room there that if you want to sit people were pretty spread out a lot of people crowd, so there's a, a walkway down to Thunderhole, which, again, we weren't there, uh, unfortunately, when this happened. But if you look up pictures of Thunderhole, you can see the water coming in and splashing people as they're standing on this walkway, which I wish we had seen. But that was definitely more crowded than the area around Thunderhole that you can kind of spread out on. So after all of this hiking and excitement, you guys decide to grab some lunch? Yeah, so we went to the famous Jordan Pond House. So that's where we were a couple of days before. And we decided to go there for lunch. They're famous for their popovers. 
And I'm a little embarrassed to say I didn't know what a popover was when I got there. I don't know if you saw my face, but I... You didn't look like you knew what a popover was either. So, but they talk about it in the book. So, of course, I was like, Erin, we have to get popovers. We have to get them. I'm getting one. That's what they're famous for. We need to have a popover. But again, I was nervous because I'm like, what the heck am I actually getting? What even is a popover? But anyway, when we got up to the Jordan Pond house, the line was super long, but you could tell it was moving really quickly. So that was great. Um, and you can go up and order and you can order things like I ordered a lobster roll, Aaron ordered a sandwich. They have, you know, just kind of like lunch, different types of deli lunch foods there. And I, of course, ordered a popover and a beer. So we got our lunch and we went out and sat on the lawn that I had talked about earlier to have the lunch and just kind of look at the lake, which was really cool. So a popover is kind of a, it's a pastry. So it's similar to, I would describe it as like a croissant shell, but the inside is hollow. So when you open it up, um, it was nice and warm and buttery and they give you jam and butter to put on it. So it was really delicious and I'm really glad I had one. I'm glad the book recommended it for us. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking at them and it looks like they have a whole bunch of different kinds. But the first thing I thought when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's a croissant. Yeah, it looks just like Um, a croissant. Yeah, some of them, some of these ones I'm looking at have ham and cheese inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these things look great. They were delicious. We need these around here. I know. (laughs) Uh, Did Aaron end up trying one? He tried the tiniest little bite of mine and said that it was just kind of okay. But I think he really liked it. He just, he doesn't like to try different types of food, so. Okay. Claims that when he goes on trips, he's more adventurous than when he's at home. I don't know how true that is. That is actually true. When we were in Mexico, he ate cactus, and I did not want to eat cactus. So I was actually impressed by that. Okay. Awesome. So you did lunch. After lunch, what did you guys do? After lunch, we went back to the tiny house. And we got ready for dinner and we decided that we were going to go somewhere local. So closer to where we were staying, not in Bar Harbor. So where we were staying was about a half hour from Bar Harbor. So we decided to go to a local place and we wanted to try out Beale's Lobster Pier. I had been, you know, doing some research about places to eat at and it had great reviews uh, and it looked awesome. So After we, you know, settled in at the tiny house and showered and got ready for dinner, we went over to Beale's Lobster Pier, but it was a two-hour wait when we got there. Yeah. So we tried to get there at around like 6 o'clock. We figured, let's be old people, do the early bird special. (laughs) Nobody will be there. And it seemed like everybody was there that night. So... Was the crowd older? Maybe it's a very high elderly population? I couldn't even tell. It looked like a lot of families, which I understand little kids probably need to eat early, but it was packed. I got something here with an exclamation point. Aaron tried clam chowder. That can't be true. (laughs) It is true. So we ended up going um, across the pier. So we drove around the, the little harbor there and went to a different restaurant which was actually really cool because you could overlook the entire um, pier that we were trying to eat at. So we ate at this restaurant and shockingly, Aaron ordered clam chowder. I ordered clam chowder everywhere we went. And Aaron decided, I'm going to try it. 
I thought you just said Aaron ordered it, and I was like, what? He did. He ended up. So I ordered it first, and then he said, I'm going to try it. So he ordered himself a cup of. He didn't even try yours. He ordered his own. Yeah. Yep. Shocking, right? (laughs) How much of it did he eat? He ate the entire cup of clam chowder. Wow. And he liked it. He liked it. Mm hmm. The reason that's so shocking to me, guys, is Aaron is anti seafood, definitely everything. Like, he'll, he tried cactus apparently, but that grows on land. Yeah. <laughs> He's anti anything from the ocean. But this is, this is shocking. Uh, and, and I wish he was here for us to, to question him about. Um, okay, but we'll move on to the next day. Or, sorry, did you do anything else that night? No, we ended up kind of being lazy and went back to the tiny home. And I think we ended up watching Crazy Stupid Love on HBO Max and falling asleep. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We will continue with our visit to Acadia National Park next week as we discuss Cadillac Mountain and some other amazing hikes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inspire Beyond Borders. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IBBpod for updates and pictures from our guests. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on our podcast. 